Thank you and good evening again. We are grateful for your presence tonight and hope and pray that the time that we spend together will benefit you as we worship God in spirit and in truth. We are looking tonight at another one of our key verses, Joshua 24, 15. And to those of you who have memorized this verse, we certainly appreciate that and we hope and pray that you'll be working on that verse throughout this week. Tonight as we talk about Joshua 24, verse 15, I want to think for a minute or two about spiritual leadership. There's a tremendous void in the homes of many people. That void is spiritual leadership. What really impresses me about Joshua, Joshua was a man that was devoted to God. As you well know, Joshua succeeded Moses, the great lawgiver and leader of ancient Israel. And Joshua had the opportunity to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. That land that he and Caleb had affirmed was flowing with milk and honey. In chapter 24, Joshua, prior to his death, reminds the children of Israel of their history and encourages them to serve God. And really, in a very profound way, makes a bold declaration that as for him and his family, he said, we're going to serve the Lord. I wish that every home had that kind of spiritual leadership. That individuals would recognize the gravity of the situation and to assume this leadership position, because as I said a moment ago, there is a tremendous void in the world today in that regard. Listen again as Joshua, after reminding the children of Israel of their history, in verse 15, he said, If it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods, he said, which your fathers served on the other side of the river, going all the way back to the descendants of Abraham. And then he goes on to say, Or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. The children of Israel had displaced these people. But then this statement, But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Imagine if you can, mothers and fathers today, making this kind of bold declaration that we're going to serve God. It might be that our neighbors don't serve the Lord. It might be the case that other family members choose not to serve God. But we are going to put God at the forefront of our home. I want to look with you tonight at a couple of passages of Scripture as we think about this. I want to call attention, first of all, to Psalm 127. Psalm 127, I think, is a very important passage in light of what we just read in Joshua 24, 15. In Psalm 127, the writer in the long ago talks about the home and really gives us insight into ingredients that will make for a positive home life. He begins by identifying the builder of the home. 
Listen to what he said. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Could I say to you tonight that we need families today that will build their homes on and around the Lord. One of the real reasons why our nation is struggling in many respects is because the home is not what it ought to be. When individuals enter into the marital relationship, to enter into that relationship understanding the permanency that God demands in that, in that context. And I would say this to our young folks. I would encourage anyone, the person that you choose to spend the rest of your life with, choose now to marry a Christian. I know that there are exceptions. I've had any number of people tell me in days gone by, they have married outside the body of Christ, they have converted their mate, and there are always exceptions. But there are always, there are always horror stories as well. Individuals who failed to recognize the words of Amos in the long ago. You remember Amos asked this question, can two walk together except they be agreed? Listen, marriage is not something to enter into lightly. Remember Jesus said in Matthew chapter 19, verse 6, What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Jesus, in reminding the religious leaders of His day who wanted to know, is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause? And Jesus said, Have you not read? I fear that many families have not read what God has said about marriage and about the home. And so they get off on the wrong foot, and as a result of that, chaos ensues. But Jesus said, He that made them at the beginning made them male and female. And He said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave unto his wife, and they too shall become one flesh. He said, Wherefore they are no more two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man put asunder. So to understand that the best way to start your married life is to start as Christians and to build upon the right kind of foundation. I would encourage you to read Matthew 6, When you embark upon marriage, you remember Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And then, of course, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul would say, Set your mind on things above and not on things which are upon this earth. In verse 4, he said, And when Christ, who is our life, Make the Lord the hub of your life, the hub of your marriage. Now, as I said a moment ago, there are exceptions. And there are some people that over time have been able to win their mate to Christ. But there are some who have not been able to convert their mate to Christ. It has been a struggle. It has been a fight since day one. And so as, as you enter into that marital relationship, remember what the psalmist said, except the Lord build the house, those who labor, labor in vain. Choose now to build your home on the Lord. Jesus talked about building on the rock in Matthew chapter 7. Those who hear His word and put it into practice, He likened unto wise people, didn't He? 
And then note, if you would, a second ingredient that the psalmist talks about. In verse 3, he talks about the blessings in the home. He said, Behold, children are a heritage from the, from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is His reward. Verse 5, Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. There's something about children that bring a measure of happiness to our lives. Again, I think about what Moses wrote in Genesis chapter 2 after God created the woman from the side of Adam. And you remember when God brought the woman to the man, He said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. There's something special about having children. Children that are bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. Now, that's not to say that we would love less a child that we have taken into our home by way of adoption. My brother has an adopted child. He has a biological child. He loves them both equally as far as I can tell. But children are a tremendous blessing to those of us in the context of marriage. And it's awesome to see them grow and mature and develop mentally, physically, academically, and most of all, spiritually. But then if you would note the third thing. The third, I think, important point is what I would call the bullseye in the home. And here it is. Listen to him. Verse 4. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Imagine if you can a warrior. He has a bow and arrow. He takes that arrow out of his quiver, places it in the bow, and then he lines up a target and lets it fly. What's the application? The psalmist is saying that as parents, our goal, our duty is to point our children in the direction of heaven. That's our goal. Now, I said a minute ago, sometimes individuals find themselves in difficult situations because maybe a, a mate is not a member of the body of Christ. It might be the case that here is a mate who was at one time a faithful member of the body of Christ, but they're now unfaithful. So they're not interested in spiritual things. I personally appreciate mothers and fathers who are basically single, or it's singular in the sense that they are the spiritual leader. And they're doing everything within their power to point their children in the direction of heaven. All I'm saying is, it's easier if two people work together. But there are cases when you just have one. And to those of you who are here tonight, who are the spiritual leader in your home, listen, I tip my hat to you. I appreciate you. Many of you are here every time the doors are open. You do your best to be involved in the work. You're trying to set the right example. You're trying to teach your children. But it is an important task, and our goal ultimately is to point them in the direction of heaven because after all, when it's all said and done, we want to be together in heaven, don't we? Now, let me talk for a minute or two about the importance of this task of teaching and pointing our children in the direction of heaven. Go back and look at Deuteronomy for a moment. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, listen to what 
God said in the long ago, verse 29, chapter 5, Oh, that they had such a heart in them, that they would fear me and always keep all my commandments. Now listen to what he said. That it might be well with them and with their children forever. Then he instructs Moses, Go and say to them, Return to your tents. But he said, As for you, stand here by me, and I will speak to you all the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments, which you shall teach them, that they may observe them in the land which I'm giving them to possess. Now look at verse 32. In verse 32, there are two things that stand out in my mind. Moses here, spokesman for God, is saying to the children of Israel, or God is saying, Therefore you shall be careful to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. You shall walk in all the ways which the Lord your God has commanded you, that you may live and that it may be well with you, and that you may prolong your days in the land which you shall possess. Here's what God's saying. I want you to be biblical and balanced in your home life. That is a recipe for success. You mark it down. If you want to be successful in your home life, number one, build your home on the Lord. And you make sure that you are biblical, that you're not going to the right, to the left, but you're staying in God's Word. So you are biblical and you are balanced in your approach. Now, look at the continuation in chapter 6, verse 1. Moses said, This is a commandment, and these are the statutes and judgments which the, which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess, that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all His statutes and His commandments, which I command you, and you and your son and your grandson all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Listen, here's what God's saying to the nation of Israel. If you will honor my word, then you will enjoy tremendous prosperity. In other words, their success was tied to their willingness to respect and revere His Word. Ultimately, their perpetuity and prosperity were linked to their willingness to anchor their lives in the Word of God. I understand we're under a different covenant today, but the principles are the same, are they not? If we build our homes on the Lord and we anchor our, Lord, our, our lives to the Lord, will be blessed. Note the continuation, verse 3. Therefore hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it. Why is that? That it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. And then in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul with all your might. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You remember with regard to the new covenant that Jeremiah foretold the Lord would establish through the blood of Jesus. The Lord said, I will put my laws in their mind and I will write them upon their hearts. God wants us to take His Word and internalize it and make application. Well, why? Because it will bless our lives. It will bless our children, our grandchildren. 
Verse 5, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Listen, the catalyst for engaging in this kind of behavior is our love for God. When we genuinely love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, then it's all about building our lives on Him and around Him, isn't it? I mean, that's the motivating factor. You remember John said in 1 John 4, verse 8, God is love. And he talked about here in His love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. But in verse 19, He would say, we love Him because He first loved us. So to grasp the depth of God's love for us, to understand that He visibly demonstrated that love by sending Jesus to die on the cross, and then in return to love Him. We, we love Him, we revere Him, we respect His ways, we want to serve Him. We don't serve Him out of drudgery, we do so out of love, don't we? Then here's what He said. These words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. He said, you'll talk of them when you sit in your house, when you, walk by the, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise up. In other words, God is saying through Moses in the long ago, I want you to permeate your lives with my word. I want you to take every occasion that you have to teach and instruct your children, your grandchildren. Lay the right foundation in their lives and it will bless them. It will bless you. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. You remember over in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul called to mind the genuine faith of Timothy. But in, first, in 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 5, he began by calling to mind the genuine faith. He said that dwelt first in Timothy's grandmother Lois, and then in his mother Eunice, and then he said, and I am persuaded is in you also. So here is, here is Timothy. Timothy has had the opportunity to have the right kind of foundation poured in his life. So let me ask this question. When then did they begin teaching and instructing Timothy in God's Word? Turn over to chapter 3, verse 15. Paul said, and that from childhood. Here is Timothy, a young, a young child. And Paul said, from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's interesting to me that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, if you make the connection there, Paul said, all Scripture inspired of God, he said, it's profitable, isn't it? Do you think Timothy came to understand and recognize the profitability of the Word of God in his life? Yes. He had all of the tools and resources necessary so that when the Apostle Paul came along and converted him, Paul, of course, was his father in the faith, Timothy becomes a great servant in the kingdom of God, doesn't he? He has the opportunity to serve and work under the direction or tutelage of the Apostle Paul. Paul mentored him. But the foundation was laid. Paul could then build upon that foundation. So as parents today or grandparents 
to exercise the opportunities that we had before us. Our children, they're gone before we know it. I mean, they're out of the house before you know it. And so, as the farmer says, we've got to make hay while the sun, while the sun's shining. Now, with regard to what God said in the long ago, I want you to turn over now, if you would, for a minute, and look at, look, for example, at what Judges chapter 2 has to say. Let me give you the flip side of this. What if we fail to be what we ought to be in the home as a mother or father? The stakes are very high. Tremendously high. Because if we fail in our efforts or if we shirk our, respons our responsibility, we will pay a heavy price. Our children and grandchildren, they too will pay a heavy price. Bearing in mind what God had said to Moses in the long ago. So in Joshua, or rather in Judges chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, The people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord which he had done for Israel. Joshua dies at the age of 110. He's buried, verse 9. In verse 10, the text tells us, when all that generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which He had done for Israel. What happened? How in the world how in the world could these people have drifted in their spiritual lives? I think the answer has to go back to the fact that they failed in their responsibility to teach and lay a foundation in the home. We're talking about three generations of people here. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, again, three generations. You've got Lois, Eunice, and then Timothy. Here we have the people who are faithful during the days of Joshua. The elders who outlived Joshua, the people are faithful. But then you have another generation arise, and God said in the long ago, He said they didn't know the Lord, nor the work which He had done for Israel. Look at verse 11. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord. God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. They bowed down to them, and they provoked the Lord to anger. Let me just pause there. You see the problem, don't you? So when we talk about this bullseye, as parents, our goal, our... Look, what we want to do is give them all the tools necessary so that when they get out on their own, they will stay in the faith and stay with the faith so that one day we can all be together in heaven. That does not happen by accident, does it? And so, look, look at the life of Jesus. You remember in Luke chapter 2, Jesus grew, didn't He? Physically, mentally, but most importantly, spiritually. 
We talk about well-rounded families and well-rounded children. To me, it would be tragic to lose our children. And so here's what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Paul is writing to Christian parents in the first century. And Paul is encouraging them to exercise spiritual leadership. He said, And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And so here we are as parents and grandparents, and we understand the magnitude of responsibility resting upon our shoulders. We can't, we can't shirk our responsibility. We've got to be the spiritual leader in the home, like Joshua of old, who said, look, as for me and my home, we're going to serve the Lord. That's got to be our goal. That's got to be our mentality, our mindset. I want to tell you tonight, if you will follow, if you'll follow the guidelines of what God has laid down in Scripture with regard to your home, I promise you He will bless your life. Now, are there exceptions? Well, sure. You mean to tell me that sometimes I might do my very best in the home and rear my children in the Lord and they leave the Lord? Well, that happens sometimes. Sometimes good parents have children that turn out bad. A good example of that would be Hezekiah. Hezekiah was a good king. But he had a rotten son by the name of Manasseh. And so, as a parent, Assume that role of spiritual leadership. There, there are a lot of homes tonight, they don't have a male influence. Some children grow up without any kind of father influence in their life. Some are reared in a home with a father, but he's not a spiritual leader. And so all I'm saying is, We've got to do our best as parents to put them on the right track, to lead them so that one day they can be successful in this life. If you go back to Joshua chapter 1, I want to close tonight. I want you to look at Joshua chapter 1 because when Joshua began, to succeed, Moses, as the leader of ancient Israel, God set forth a formula for his success as a leader. Now, we can take this template and apply it to the home. Verse 7, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it, to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. Then listen to this. For then you will make your way, what? Prosperous. And then you will have good success. Listen to what God said to Joshua. Joshua, you'll take, if you'll take my word, and you will follow it, and you'll live it out day in and day out, not turning to the left or to the right, but you'll meditate on my truth. He said, let me tell you what, you will be prosperous, and you will find good success. 
I do not know any family today that wants to fail. Do you? We all want to be successful. We want to see our children, we want to see them grow and develop and be successful in life. And I get it, we want them to do well academically. We want them to excel athletically. But there is a, another dimension that is far more important. It's to excel spiritually. Where does it begin? It begins in the home with those of us who are parents and grandparents. Tonight I applaud those of you who are doing your best to be a spiritual leader. Thank you to those of you who are parents and grandparents who regularly bring your children to services, to Bible study. I promise you will not regret it. I've had a lot of folks express regret because when they look back over their lifetime, they weren't what they should have been as parents. They weren't involved in spiritual things and they regretted it. You won't regret being faithful to God. That's why it's so important. Bring them to worship. Have devotionals in the home. Accentuate the Word of God. Let them see you involved in the work of the church and get them involved. There are things that they can do. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank You for this day, for this hour. We thank You for the families that make up the church here at Olive Branch. Father, we pray that You would give us the wisdom that we need to be the right kind of Leader, help us to educate our children, our grandchildren. Help us to be an example to them. And Father, we pray that we would live in such a way so that one day we can hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here tonight and you're not a Christian, I want to encourage you to come to Christ. To realize that Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sins. You know, Paul said, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the gospel in a nutshell. Christ died for our sins. He was buried, raised again the third day. If you'll come in simple trusting faith, responding to the gospel of Christ and repent of all your sins, confess the name of Christ before others, and then are buried with Christ in baptism, you can enjoy the forgiveness of your sins. That's what Peter said, Pentecost Day, Acts 2, verse 38. God will then put you in the church, Acts 2, 47. The exhortation is be faithful unto death, the promise being the crown of life, Revelation 2.10. If you're here tonight, maybe you've not, you've not lived as you should have. Maybe you've drifted in your spiritual life. You're not as strong as you ought to be. Maybe you're not where you need to be. Could we pray with you and for you? And God will abundantly pardon us. We stand and sing.